Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the greatest generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. That's Adam Adam Pranica. Hello! (laughs) I stepped on your introduction. You did. I could... You know how you can hear people smile sometimes on a mic? I could hear you, like, like wing a point at me. Like, like pow! I was just, uh... I was setting up the recording session here. I saw that it was like 160-something in the number of episodes. And I was like, holy shit. How do we keep this fresh after all these years, Adam? Did you see also that this is the last episode before our tour begins? Is it? That is also the truth. Wow. If if the show is still going on and the world has not... (laughs) Uh, folded in on itself and we haven't uh, killed each other and ourselves uh-huh. this episode will be coming out on Wednesday August 9th Ben our our plan is for our murder-suicide pact not to work right well I mean <laughs> if there's ever a good time for a murder-suicide let's do it after the tour there's yeah. been so, we put in so much work into this yeah we really busted our asses to get this tour in order that would be the dumbest uh- murder-suicide ever I think that uh, I think the thing to say about the tour is that it has sold very well, and there have been at least a couple of sellouts as of this recording. Uh, check online because we'll be uh, letting people know whether there are tickets available at the door. Um, one thing that people said to us is that in the summer, folks like to leave their weekend plans to the last minute. So if you need a plan B. <laughs> <laughs> their weekend plans and uh and sometimes in milwaukee your tuesday night plan can be a, a last minute booking also yeah um, all i'm gonna so, say is if you want to meet raz and plavim you gotta come to that tuesday milwaukee show yeah you gotta come to that show raz and plavim have no idea how instrumental they're going to be in that show <laughs> but i think it's only fair that we uh <laughs> that we cause as much trouble for them as they have for us Sure. We need to exploit them, Ben. <laughs> over and over. I am uh, drinking a delightful gin and tonic, Adam. This being a sweaty summer day, I needed to cool off a little bit. I was inspired by your drink choice, so I ran upstairs and made my own gin and tonic. God. There, I, like uh, that, I like that you're stocked to make a gin and tonic as a, as a surprise drink for yourself. Oh, Not man. Not everybody keeps tonic in the house. Oh yeah, uh, we we keep the the tiny cans of tonic, like the little half can. I love those little half cans. That's the perfect can, and we've got a we've got a larder full of those little cans, and we're good to go <laughs> at any point. You always want to be ready to make a gin and tonic, I think, because like, is there a more inoffensive drink for the casual drinker? Like, you got company coming over, they surprise you. Better make a cocktail. What are we going to make? Everyone likes a gin and tonic, I think. Yeah. I always wondered what a larder was for. Turns out it's a room full of cans of tonic. Yeah, I think uh, I think they got that. Like, the idea of a larder came from, like, medieval times when, you know, in medieval times it was incredibly difficult to keep tonic fresh. 
And so yeah. they would, uh, like in the <laughs> basements of their of their huts, that's where they would keep their tonic. They would salt the tonic bin. Yeah. Keep it fresh. There was like a kind of a tonic pemmican situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is my least favorite flavor of beef jerky. <laughs> Do you put any stock in the theory that pouring room temperature soda or tonic over ice takes the bubbles out of it? I had never heard that theory until you just laid it on me. I, I had no idea. I think I heard them say that on like Bar Rescue or something. And they said it as truth? Yeah, like like uh, John Tapper was yelling at somebody that they didn't refrigerate their mixers properly or something like that. John Tapper's like, now everyone knows that when you pour room temperature soda over ice, it loses its bubbles. Yeah. What my reality show presupposes is, maybe you get to keep all those bubbles? I love that show because of all the like beautiful composed shots. Like they'll have a perfectly symmetrical frame and then they'll do a long dolly shot and it'll land on another perfectly symmetrical frame. Yeah. What's your take on Tapper? I think that he is probably a really talented businessman and definitely a very entertaining person to watch on TV. But a lot of the bar concepts that he comes up with are a little bit busy for me. Yeah, I like, kind of feel... Like the idea of a concept as a concept, <laughs> I, I kind of already reject. Like this yeah. this bar doesn't have a good enough concept, so we're going to come up with a new concept. It feels like any concept is a variation of a bunch of shit on the walls, right? Right, yeah. Everything is a... everything. It it all like the the common denominator for all of these bars is TGI Fridays, <laughs> and yeah. I don't see that being a great long term play. Like there's no culture in any of the bars that he leaves behind. Uh, that's yeah, and maybe maybe that is the culture, the the culture of the cultureless. Yeah, the the pastiche culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just when I watch shows like that. They are so entertaining to watch, but I can never put myself in the position of the bar owner and feel like I would ever enjoy that. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> Tapper is just stepping all over you. Like, you are a failure. That's why he's there. Like, And yeah. so you better be ready to eat big old plates of shit. You better yeah, be ready to put failure. that shit on the wall. Your employees are all going to get fired, but then rehired in a tearful reconciliation <laughs> those uh tearful reconciliations are my favorite <laughs> my favorite form of reconciliation well reconciliation is uh is a theme that is very present in the episode we watched today adam do you think it is shall we get to our episode i think so ben that's that's enough of Diet, let's drink about it. <laughs> let's flip the flip the station to our show. Season 7, episode 10. Inheritance. The entrepreneur has pulled up to a federation world that is having... It's got kind of a constipated core, like an impacted core. <laughs> it's all hard in there. That can that, be it, so uncomfortable. 
Yeah, it hasn't had a, a satisfying movement in a long time, and they're looking for some digital stimulation. That's just the worst. I, I think <laughs> the one thing you could say about me is that I I have too many movements. Mm. I, my movement be frequent. <laughs> yeah, the symphony of your life is... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the symphony of my life is flatulence. <laughs> I should really see a doctor. <laughs> this is the earliest ding we've ever had, Adam. <laughs> uh, delightful. We start with a McLaughlin group. Issue one. And we introduce Dr. Juliana Tainer and Dr. Pran Tainer. Pran is an alien from this planet. Juliana is a human, and they are the planetary constipation experts that have beamed up to the entrepreneur. And they're explaining the problem, and uh, they wrap up the meeting. Picard says, We've assigned you quarters during our time here. Please make yourselves comfortable. Which is really just code for your planet wasn't in the budget. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like December right now, and the plants (laughs) at the hardware store are looking pretty bad, going to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. We didn't want a bunch of brown ferns to be what what this planet looks like. So. The relationship we have with the dentist office down the street uh, has sort of deteriorated in a way that we can't just go over and borrow a ficus anytime we want. <laughs> They've come up with a plan, which is that they're going to shoot, they're going to drill into the planet and then like install some equipment deep under the surface that will draw plasma in from space and reliquify the core which uh, will allow it to pass a movement that will get things back on track. (laughs) This concept really blew me away, Ben, because if starships can shoot phasers into planetary cores, is this planet unique because its crust is soft and a phaser can penetrate it down to the core? Or could any starship shoot a phaser into most planet cores? And if that's the truth then is every starship a planet killer? That's a good question. I don't know. I, I hadn't thought of it. I mean, we know that the fastest way from one side of a planet to the other is through the planet core. <laughs> so presumably some planets don't have anything in there. You remember that movie, The Core? <laughs> remember how terrible that was? I think I've only caught bits and pieces of that on basic cable. Bits and pieces are all you need, Ben. Yeah, it seems bad. But this really made me think, like, if this was, if this is canonical phaser, then, (laughs) then why does a space bad guy ever need a super weapon? Let's just set that down and maybe return to it later. Fine. Fair enough. (laughs) As the meeting wraps up, everybody walks out and Dr. Juliana walks up to Data and is like, hey, no... Nothing? Don't recognize me or anything? And he says, should I? And she drops a bomb on him, Adam. This lady with big-time crystalline entity killer vibes drops a, a bomb on Data. I am your father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommate. She's like, you haven't seen on Golden Pond, have you? <laughs> I am... Airsats Catherine Hepburn. Don't be such an old poop. <laughs> Billy might get hungry. I don't mean to say that to diminish this actress's performance, which I thought was great. 
but she definitely had old Hepburn vibes to me. She does kind of have old Hepburn vibes. I can I can dig that. Yeah. Yeah. She's had quite the career. It looks like. I'm just clicking into the into the thing. So she's been in stuff as recently as 2014. And uh, you know, a, a sort of a handsomer older lady. Yeah. We should probably name check her. We're talking about her so much. Her name is Fionnula Flanagan. That's a first name, but <laughs> that could be tough in certain circles, I think. <laughs> certain playground-based circles? Yeah. Certain playground-based circles with real, like, obscure medical problem knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Are you thinking fistula? Yeah, Oprah, Oprah Winfrey uh, is really, like, raising a bunch of money to help with the uh, fionnula problem <laughs> in, in certain third-world countries. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. You well, know what I we don't... need is that drop. Like, we've got... We've got uh, sitcom laugh drop. Mm-hmm. I believe one, every once in a while we we have the sitcom O or boo drop. Sure. But what we need is that that thoughtful, not quite a joke. Hmm. Drop. <laughs> I think you'll provide that at least a few times every episode yourself, Adam. <laughs> I do that all the time. People always say that. Everyone always says, Ben Ben is a very generous laugher. Adam is not. Adam does not laugh at Ben as much as Ben laughs at Adam. It's an atrocity. I don't understand it. You just have a very silent laugh. Not a generous laugher. I do. That's just the thing. I don't, yeah. I, I hope you know how funny I feel like you are, Stop Ben. Stop licking my ass, Adam. <laughs> It's great because cause the the good thing is when I get a real belly laugh out of you, I know I've I've really sunk one. Yeah, yeah. You know, I hit the three. <laughs> yeah, you leave that arm up. <laughs> what's the What's the big reveal, Adam? Have we even said it? <laughs> Boy, we really stalled <laughs> that bit of trivia. We want to spend ten more minutes on it. Fionnula's like, Data, don't you recognize me? I'm your ma'am. <laughs> and Data's like, no. <laughs> and then we throw the theme song. I think this probably qualifies as a Chekhov's mom, doesn't it? Oh, you mean like if someone claims to be a mom in the first act, you have to shoot the mom by the third act? <laughs> yep. <laughs> it mean yeah like the version of this is like something's up with this mom like this this can't be this can't be a true mom if you introduce right. mom vibes in the first act in the in the cold open i mean data has taken a big page out of the ronald reagan playbook in this episode <laughs> he's all about that trust but verify game he's about denying aids but also trust but verify <laughs> He's like, hey, I'm a paragon of conservative values, but also I funded death squads in South America. I am incapable of embarrassment. I mean, people feel like I am a qualified, intelligent person, but no one can be sure if I wasn't racked with dementia during the last two years of my administration. <laughs> I've been lionized, but 
I put a lot of stock in the opinions of my wife, who regularly met with a psychic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, can we just say, like, Nancy Reagan was probably, like, Sylvester Stallone's mom levels of crazy? I think so. Oh, yeah. And she was also probably running the country for two years. Mm. And yet, even now, I yearn for those days. <laughs> They're having like a a couple of whiskeys and ten forward data and his mommy, and she's she's like got a pretty good level of detail, but it's really well written because she's got a lot of great headcanon for why data doesn't have any memories from Omicron theta, yeah, like why he doesn't remember ever being activated in Soong's presence, why he doesn't remember any of his life before Starfleet found him. Oh, there's a reason for that. We wiped your processors after we finished refining your programming. But she also, like, will kind of, like, latch on to details of his backstory that Data divulges and kind of, like, build on them. Why don't you tell me what you do remember, and then I'll fill in the gaps. Which is a little bit of a psychic thing, right? It's like uh, it, like taking taking something and acting like it kind of came from you. Right. So she's kind of she's kind of cold reading him a little bit. And so he's like, well, like this seems like a thing, but it also there's no Juliana other than this one from back then. And she's like, well, that was me. I was uh, I was Soong's wife. I helped develop you. I'm essentially like the the other robotics genius that somehow Commander Maddox doesn't live inside the ass of. <laughs> Juliana just goes into like really explicit detail about how well she knows Noonien. Every little fold. <laughs> She's on a first name ba- basis with Noonien. <laughs> <laughs> She's seen the Noonien. <laughs> Data does that thing where Juliana puts her hands on his and then he just sort of recoils. He needs more evidence. She is providing a ton of evidence, by the way. Like, she's doing the psychic tricks. All of her headcanon seems credible. But Data's like, I need to take this to Ancestry.com before I'm willing to, like, start a relationship with this woman. Yeah. And apparently the console for Ancestry.com is engineering. (laughs) I thought the same thing. Like, what's Data doing, like, surfing the internet at work? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, he's like a pretty high rank, so he, I guess, has some some leeway to do that. Data's like confiding in Jordy that, that this has happened just now and 10 forward. And Jordy has one of the funniest, like unintentionally funniest lines. He's like, Data, why would anyone pretend to be someone's mother? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm imagining him projecting his own weird relationship with his mom, which... Happened only a couple of episodes ago, and yet goes totally unremarked. Yeah, shouldn't shouldn't Jordy just like, shouldn't he give us like a two Mississippi staring wistfully <laughs> off into space? At least you have a mom, and then <laughs> and then he just like looks at the warp core pumping for like five seconds. <laughs> yeah, surfing the internet at work, man. Yeah, like, Data doesn't even try to alt-tab back to, like, whatever gauges he was 
he was ostensibly reading in the moment. Jordy's a fairly permissive boss. Is Jordy the boss? I think Data's got... They're the same rank, right? Yeah, but I feel like in engineering, Jordy's the one calling the plays, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Data's on Jordy's turf. I used to go uh, edit for this advertising agency here in New York, and there would be like a post-production producer that would bring me in. And the guy that ran the post-production department would just sit there like in this open office plan office for everybody to see playing World of Warcraft all fucking day. It drove me so crazy. Look, like I I dabbled in MMORGs or whatever they're called in college. <laughs> like I, uh, I, I understand Your experimental the, phase. I understand the appeal, but I think you got to leave that at home, right? It seemed crazy. I was like, I was like, I know what I'm getting paid, so I have to presume <laughs> this guy's getting paid like significantly more than me. Oh, that would and be. And they're so asking upset. me to stay here till midnight editing. Ugh. This guy's leaving at seven p.m. Probably just go home and continue gold mining or whatever the fuck they do. Can I say fuck that guy because fuck that guy? Yeah, fuck that guy. That's not cool. The worst. I don't like having my phone out in any work context unless it is explicitly shown that I am doing phone stuff about the work thing that we're doing. <laughs> I just don't think that's a good look. Yeah, it's very unprofessional. Yeah. My, my love is a Jordy, I guess, sort of convinces Data. Like, there's some... Data's doing some ancestry in engineering, and he, he finds evidence that, you know, sure as shit, she was on a transport ship with Noonien, and, like, the timeline matches. The timeline ma- matches in a sort of Oliver Stone kind of way, right? <laughs> like, Noonien is on the grassy knoll opening his umbrella... Juliana Mm -hmm. is, like, behind the fence. Like, (laughs) you could make the case that her story holds. Right. And so Data goes back to... It's all circumstantial, though. Like, there's no... Yeah, there's not, like, security cam footage of them together. This is all text-based proof. There's no marriage record. There's no dick pic. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to prove that you're my mother... Show me a dick pic. Juliana shows Data a picture of her, like, Lindy Englanding Noonien Soong's dick. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, pointing with one hand, thumbs up in the other. <laughs> that is, I think we did it, Adam. It was at the bottom? the bottom. Yes! <laughs> oh... Your laugh, like, I've told my wife this a bunch of times. Like, my wife has a laugh, and then she has a laugh when she's laughing at something in a mean way. (laughs) You have a laugh, and then you have a laugh at something where I know you're deciding whether or not we can keep it in the show. (laughs) (laughs) Which I love. That's my favorite laugh. You know what I can't wait for, Ben, is the Reddit picture of of that being photoshopped. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Please don't make that picture. I, I'll say that right now. Like, like the, the headcanon is enough. Thank you. <laughs> that is a guaranteed way to get somebody to make that picture, Adam. 
This is a loose show, Ben. This gin and tonic might be the official beverage of greatest gin in the short term. Oh, man. New pod fluid game. Yeah, I'm halfway through mine, and I'm I'm at a cruising altitude. Oh, yeah? You're halfway through? Check yeah, I this ma- out. I made a big one. Oh, shit! <laughs> you want to go make another? I could do that. Hit it. Are we just doing all drunk episodes now? I don't know, man. It feels good. <laughs> I'll be right back. All right. All right. So the kind of parallel storylines here are that they're going to like administer this milk of magnesia to the planet. And Data is getting to know this woman who claims to be his mom. And they sort of, you know, like they're working very closely with each other. There's a dam that breaks with Data and her. Like, Data's super open to the idea of bonding. And one of the ways that he chooses to do that is to invite her back to his apartment. And he plays a little uh, little violin for her. And she's like, yeah. guess what? I play viola. Maybe we should do a little concert together. A little mother-son <laughs> concert. It's a funny scene because it's like... I mean, there are, there are many moments in this episode that are conspicuously done for the cheapest possible price. Mm. And uh, when she announces that she needs a viola... You don't happen to have a viola. I could replicate one for you. He, like, just kind of, like, walks off the right-hand side of the frame. Computer, please replicate one viola. And you hear the replicator sound effect, and then he walks back on with a viola. I wonder if you could choose a temperature for the viola in the way that you can choose food temperatures. (laughs) (laughs) Viola, Stradivarius, lukewarm. That would be fun. (laughs) Juliana's like, what the fuck, Data? You burned my hands with this thing. Ow! (laughs) One of the things that Data shows his mom is a picture of Lal. (laughs) Juliana's like, this is your, your daughter? How exactly did Why'd that Why'd you happen? let her cut her hair like that? <laughs> Data's like, I made her, which makes her my daughter, which makes you her grandmother. Mm. She takes this as sort of the gut punch it is. He says, she's my daughter, and she slaps him. And she's, he says, she's my android, <laughs> and she slaps him. And she, he says... She's my daughter and my android. (laughs) She's like, is this all you have left of her? And Data like produces her head. (laughs) I like the idea that Lal's head could be on the shelves next to the Stradivarius and all of his other like weird ephemera. Yeah, where is Lal? That's what I'm saying. Did they uh, they put her in a torpedo and shoot her out? I think. Lyle's of body. all the souls I've encountered in my travels, hers was the least human. Of all the souls I've encountered in the universe, she had the worst haircut. <laughs> and that's really saying something. <laughs> yeah, she's hurt by this. But hurt, but like I feel like a little bit impressed also. She's like, you know, Data, it's it's no joke trying to make those pro- positronic matrices. You know, you can't just, like, fiddle around in there expecting to make some life. It's not easy. 
It wasn't right. easy when uh, me and your daddy made you. We made you and Lore, and then like a third. We were making robots all the time, and not a lot of them baked through all the way. Listen, there's a guy called B4. You'll find out about him later. <laughs> He's the worst. Yeah. A lot of feelings have come up for her, and yeah. they have like a little violin practice, and she talks to him, talks to Data about like the circumstances under which Soong and she left Omicron Theta. And she says that she made Nunyan leave Data behind. And it is like the biggest, most emotional confession. It's like she's she's carrying this around like she has she like sentenced her own child to death. She she had a, a terrible Sophie's choice and felt like she chose wrong. This actress felt pitch perfect throughout the episode except for this scene when she turned she turned and ran and then like sort of flailed her arms <laughs> on her way out the door. I felt like everything was was appropriately emotional until she turned and turned and ran away. Yeah, and they could have just cut that, you know? Like yeah. they, like she really got a juicy role here and played it super well. And if they had just cut that, it would have been pretty flawless. There's something about that story that isn't quite right, though. And I think it's because even in the smallest of escape pods, like, you could pack his head. Like, there's <laughs> there's room for babies in arms and android heads in any commercial escape pod, Ben. Yeah. And that's where the story just sort of lost the thread for me. Uh, ma'am, no, it's it's just a, a small personal item and one carry-on. It's not two carry-ons, okay? We're going to have it, to gate-check that. You, you, you don't want to gate-check the head wherever possible. <laughs> I'll just drink it here, and <laughs> I don't need to take it on. That head's just going to roll down the belt as it's going up into the, the cargo hold. <laughs> I am the cutest of all. She's having a real, a really tough time. I mean, let's get a very emotional reunion, and and you're sort of forced to wonder, like, what, like, she's been following Data's progress, like, reading up on him, I guess, he's following his Twitter or something. <laughs> and I just, I, I like this character so much, and I just wish we had any understanding of why she never reached out to him right i mean ostensibly it is because of her guilt and then like the way that she displayed that guilt was so dramatic that we're supposed to feel like oh yeah well she feels really dramatic feelings about it but i don't know data's special i think you got to reach out to him if you're the mom right i mean here here's how i would headcanon it I would have written in a thing about, like, I found out about the trial and Commander Maddox, <laughs> and I just didn't, like, that guy seems like such a prick. Like, keep him away from me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make my existence known. You know, I'm not going right. to put it out there. I love the idea that the Maddox data trial is like the OJ trial for its time. <laughs> like, it's played on all the subspace channels. You got that Admiral as Judge Ito. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. 
Lavoie as Marsha Clark. <laughs> She's got some Marsha Clark vibes. Yeah. Uh, Riker taking Data's arm off back and to the left, back <laughs> and to the left. Yeah. <laughs> so they're down in one of these caves that they've drilled. They've been like punching holes down to the like, I don't know, medium deep <laughs> layer in the planet. I'm sure that's the geological term. Um, that's the sexual term. <laughs> yeah, they've they've gone past the just the tip uh, layer of the planet, and they're in the medium deep. They're at the not so deep layer. <laughs> they're in the just like that layer. The not so deep layer is purely theoretical for you and me. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I've heard people talking about it in adult cinema, but I don't, I don't know if it's kind of like the, the hyperbole of that genre or what. There is no hyperbole in adult cinema, Ben. Oh, no? <laughs> Not to my knowledge. Well, anyways, they're, they're down there in the, in the place we're used to. And they've got the, they're like firing up the equipment and getting everything, getting everything ready and, uh, Dr. Juliana and Dr. Pran are down there with Data, and they're just, like, sweating bullets because this is, like, a freshly drilled hole in the ground. They drilled it with phasers, so it's hot AF down there. And they talk about the Omicron-Theta thing, and, and Data's like, If I had been your biological offspring, would you have left me on Omicron-Theta? My feelings aren't going to be hurt if you tell me. And like her ex- explanation is basically, like, she was worried that he would be lore if they turned him on again. And, and and so he's like, well, wait, but like, if I was like a baby, if I was like a real, if I was a real boy, wouldn't you have taken me with you whether or not I was lore? And she's like, listen, dude, if you were lore, I would have had to dismantle you. Like, I I had already done that with lore. That shit fucking destroyed me. That was the worst thing I ever had to do. It killed me. I had motherly feelings toward him. So we left you behind because I couldn't face the reality of what we were doing. There's which is like, pretty heavy shit. There's a stigma against pit bulls that like I get, but I also don't get. You know, it, I guess it just depends on your nature versus nurture camp. But I totally sure. get her deal about like we made a lore and it ended up being a lore. <laughs> and we were afraid of you also becoming a lore. Like... Her reason seems totally sound to me. Like, you don't want one of those guys hanging around. They're creepy as hell. We just recently did the DNA test on my dog and found out that he is part pit bull. Really? Yeah. You did an Ancestry.com on your dog? We did, uh, yeah, we did like a DNA test. Turns out Darwin is part Native American. (laughs) That's where he gets his tenacity. Yeah. Here's my question, Ben. What are you supposed to feel after hearing this story, and what do you feel? And are those two things different? Well, I think what I'm supposed to feel is that this is a very tragic figure who kind of ran away from a problem and has lived a life that is semi-regretful of that fact. Hmm. But what I do feel is, let's have a violin duet (laughs) they do some real devil went down to georgia shit in 10 forward (laughs) 
And did you see who Riker Are you going to talk his... about Lieutenant J? I am. <laughs> Riker's got his arm draped around her. Is it any surprise that Riker would steal a woman away from JL Pipes? I'm not surprised. I think that Lieutenant J is just a fucking player. She like used Picard up and spat him out, and now she's gonna she's gonna ply her her ways with Riker. If anyone in the tertiary crew has Rolaren vibes, it's Lieutenant J. Yeah. She gets what she wants. She takes it by force if necessary, and we know Riker likes likes Roe. And if you can't have Roe, you love the J you're with. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> they typically shoot performance scenes in Ten Forward differently. Like this is an over the top from the window perspective here. It's like a it feels it's fresh. like a Frakes playbook shot. Yeah, it really is. Frakes didn't direct this though, did he? No, I don't think so. Yeah, way to get high. Way to get wide. During the recital, you get a super close-up on Data, and he's sort of eyeing his mother askance. He has picked up on something that we have not picked up on. Right. And it is probably something to do with, like, you had a lot less hair in the last scene. So what's (laughs) up? Are you doing, like, the Beverly Crusher thing? Or how does this work? Smash cut to six bay... And Data's like, so Beverly, if you were to rank how HIPAA compliant uh, you were on a scale of one to ten, would you say you're more of a four? Because I'm going to need you to be like a three in this in this case. I'm going to need I'm going to need some records about my mom and I need you to not ask a bunch of questions about it. And Crusher's like, well, for you, Data, I'll violate almost any doctor-patient confidentiality. Yeah, what the fuck, Beverly? I guess this is no <laughs> surprise. Like, like she's doing autopsies when she's not allowed to. She's willing to bend the rules of medicine Yeah, for herself or anyone else, it seems like. So they're in the middle of looking at the scan of Data Mom, and she, like, doesn't look that unusual, on the medical thing. But Does she have discrete organs? <laughs> I feel like when you're Beverly, that's the first thing you should you should figure out on any scan. Yeah, well, it, it, it is the first thing you should figure out on any scan, but Beverly doesn't know what the word discrete means. <laughs> In any definition. <laughs> I don't know if we can leave that in the show, Adam. That was just too good of wordplay on your part. Oof. Really connected on that one. All right. They are looking at this shit. They get word over the radio that there's been a bad cave-in down on the planet, and Data is like, suicide mission? I'm on my way. Not only that, I'm bringing the oldest person on the ship with me. <laughs> I'm bringing Stand my Stand aside, mom. able-bodied. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, D- Data and his mom show up in the transporter room, and Dr. Pran... Her husband is coming off of the transporter pad uh, with a buddy, and they're both like pretty shaken up because there was a cave-in, and Data and Dr. Julian beam down. They find one of the one of the jumbo crayons has been knocked over in this retread cave that they've beamed down to. And, Do they have uh, to use red crayons when they're inside the core as opposed to the the blue 
crayons when they're on the surface. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it goes from like blue and then there's like yellow. And then as you get closer and closer to the core, you go like a burnt sienna to red. See, my my reference was a rectal thermometry joke. <laughs> Not sure if you got that, Ben. Red is for butts. No? <laughs> Man, I didn't even I didn't even know how deep we could go. <laughs> She'll fly apart, Ben. Fly her apart then. <laughs> they get the plasma inductor back going and uh they're they gotta run back to the crayons to beam out and they're running and the part of the cave that they have to run through has collapsed and it's just a big drop off before they uh could get to the crayons and dr julia's like we would never survive this jump and data's like i bet we fucking can <laughs> and so he grabs her by the arm and forces her to jump off the ledge with him we are going to have to jump They sort of Thelma and old Louise this. <laughs> yeah, and that's the end of the episode. Haven't we seen Data gather someone in his arms and jump off of a cliff before? I feel like this is a thing that he's done. Did, did he take somebody up in his arms one time and do a big jump? I can't remember. There was that but, episode where Pipes and Beverly were down in a cave and Data jumped down to join them. Was that the yeah, Echo Papa 607 episode? It was. He's only ever soloed the cliff jump. He has yeah. not tandem cliff jumped before like he did mm. here. Yeah. So so he jumps down and uh, he lands on his feet and then he turns around and Dr. Julia is lying in a couple of pieces on the floor. But we see... That there are LED lights blinking where Gore should be. Yeah, she's made of Christmas lights. <laughs> you don't know it, but you are full of stars. Her husband doesn't know he's been married to a real doll, Ben. <laughs> Captain Picard, <laughs> you may have noticed that one of my real dolls has boarded your ship. <laughs> I think you'll find her verisimilitude to be quite extraordinary she is very convincing <laughs> perhaps matched only by Rashad in terms <laughs> of workmanship I think you will begin to notice that my best work has been the old real doll <laughs> a wholly owned subsidiary of Kevin Oaksbridge Real Dolls Incorporated <laughs> she sweats like an old person she has grey hair like an old person she gets tired, like an old person. When you're using a real doll for all of the various things you might use it for, <laughs> if it breaks out in a sweat, that's just a reassuring thing to see. <laughs> it really adds to the realism of the experience. And that's something we're very proud of over here at Duxbridge Old Real Dolls Incorporated. Sweat reassurance. That's the... Uh, <laughs> That's the Uxbridge Real Doll Reassurance Guarantee. <laughs> we have taken the real doll out of the sweaty, uncanny valley. Over and over, we received complaints about our real doll's ability to sweat. 
We have answered their calls. <laughs> This is a moment of inflection for Data, right? His mom's on the bio bed. She's clearly a robot person. Jordy and and the doctor are nerding out over her. They've yeah. got the hood up. They're like, holy shit, like she can cry. She can sweat. <laughs> like she can secrete. Is, She's is way better than you, Data. <laughs> basically, the most impressive thing is her ability to produce fluids. I was thinking about this, Ben. Like, if you were a robot... And you didn't know it. You must poop, right? You must poop and pee. So, like, she's eating and producing scat. That's incredible. Yeah. That's like that, uh, that big art installation, the, uh, the cloaca. <laughs> Do you know about that thing? <laughs> no. I thought this was a bit. There's this art installation. I think it's in Europe somewhere. And, uh... It's called the cloaca, and it and it's like a huge, huge, huge machine that fills up an entire room, and it uh, and it turns food into poop. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> yeah, that's like the apotheosis of art. I can do. <laughs> uh, that's what country is this? I'm gonna guess Germany. Please say Germany. <laughs> you must seize the Scheisen button. It's even more German than that, Adam. It's a uh, a Flemish Belgian <laughs> neo conceptualist artist named Wim Delvoy. The only thing more German than German is Flemish Belgian. I've always said that. <laughs> yeah. I think we've really gone everywhere this episode, Ben. It's, it's, it's so, been a journey. So it's like decision time, right? Because they get around the McLaughlin group and they're like, we've got a woman in six bay who doesn't know she's a robot. Should you tell her? (laughs) And Data's like, well, I'm sort of of two minds on this. Like, if I told her she was a robot, I wouldn't be alone anymore. Then we would be like mother, son, mother boying it around, like mother botting it is what they'd be doing. He wouldn't be alone in the universe anymore. It'd be great. But then is Troy this before is like, or after he talks to Soong Hologram? I think Soong Hologram happens after, but I'm not sure, and I'm not sure it matters sequentially. Yeah, because Data talks to a a Soong Hologram that's like uh, that they they find like a chip in. I think this happen. I, th- I think the hologram happens first. They find the chip in in her head, and Data runs to the to the holodeck and boots it up and. And Soong is like, hey, Data, like, this is great. I recorded, like, a couple of different messages, but I'm super glad that it's you that found your mom. So here's the deal. Uh, She is a robot, but she's based on your real mom. And when she died, I downloaded her consciousness and put it into this robot, and she is going to age out like, like she would have if she had not died. He's like, here, watch this weird Johnny Depp movie that really turned out awfully. Like, watch this terrible Johnny Depp movie. You, that's that'll basically bring you up to speed on what I did here. It's a little bit Jack Crusher vibes, isn't it? It is a little bit Jack Crusher vibes. It's it's Jack Crusher vibes combined with bad Johnny Depp movie, where like a weird portion of it is about buying up a small town and doing a lot of construction there. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're listening to The Greatest Generation, the foremost transcendence greatest generation podcast. <laughs> no one's done that before, Ben. Mm. You mean made a transcendence podcast? Yeah, we've really yeah. cornered the market on transcendence podcasts. As we've wandered through the valley of the shadow of the greatest generation, I keep thinking about how you make another greatest generation movie with the cast as old as they are. And I feel like this unlocks it, Ben. The idea that Sung made a robot that could age naturally makes me feel like this is how you get the crew back. Like, everyone else is old. The problem was Brent Spiner. How do you yeah. account for his aging? What right. if Data and, and I guess, the, the B4, like, what if the B4 was booted up with this aging program? Then Data could join the rest of the crew. Then we'd have a new next-gen movie. Yeah, so CBS, like, get your buddies Ben and Adam on the phone, and let's talk about something. I'm ready to make a movie, Ben. I'm ready to get in your little pocket. <laughs> if I'm it ready. means co-writing and co-directing a movie. <laughs> if it means having final cut on a very valuable science fiction franchise. Yeah, if it means we get to hang out with LeVar Burton one more time. LeVar Burton and us are total buds. Yeah. He'll vouch for us. Ask, ask LeVar. He probably vaguely remembers coming on this show. <laughs> it was in no way a junket for him. <laughs> so Troy is riding for the act of cruelty position. She's like, look, if you think you've been a person for your entire life and then you're told you're a robot, that could have some consequences <laughs> that you don't predict. Maybe yeah. that would be a cruel thing. Maybe you don't do that. So like Dana's sort of pulled in a couple directions. Yeah, you're taking you're taking away from her the thing you always wanted. Yeah, and that summary of the issue was I thought was I thought that was especially deft. That yeah, was a Troy great, should have been a lawyer, man. Yeah. She lawyers data here big time. She lawyers him big time. And Picard just kind of plays the like cool dad that's like, hey, like you put your foot in it and it's gonna be tough, but you just gotta figure it out and we're gonna support you. Yeah. Yeah, so the button on the episode is Data like folds his mom's forehead shut after putting the chip back in. Wakes her up and she she believes that she fell off the cliff and broke her arm. She broke a bone in her arm specifically, and that's how you know Data's not ready to tell her that she's a robot. He walks her to the transporter pad. He has a goodbye befitting of that has the right amount of emotion between a robot son and a <laughs> robot mom who thinks that she's human. Yeah. And that's it. My question to you is, why does she go home? What's waiting for her on Altrea? Like, Well, she's got that husband. He didn't yeah, die, did he? Yeah, but he's like... He's got, like, whole cauliflower ear. He seems a little, like a little bit of a weirdo. Like, yeah. if you just found your son after forever and you just made up with him, I, I I, thought she would have rode harder for hanging out on the ship a little longer. I guess it's just the promise that he'll come see her the next time he has some vacation hours built up. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll definitely get that. Definitely. Next season. Yeah. 
Did you like this episode, Ben? I really did. I think that there's like a couple of plot holes that you just have to look past. But I think it's a fun little exploration of the of the data timeline and um, a really cool idea that it really like plays with the idea of like trust and affection because she's asking him to trust her on like kind of a whopper of a thing early in this episode. And his gut is not to until he, until he can find some kind of corroborating information. But you're also like, you're also forced as a viewer to wonder like, what is in it for her? If she's like playing some game with him, like, is she really something else? And like, just trying to get in with data because of what data is, is she some crazy that, that read about data and is like trying to get close to him. Is like a super fan. Yeah. And it's written with that, like, like pregnant with all of those possibilities. And it really does a great job of kind of like, taking a bunch of fun headcanon about like how data got from being a newly built Android on Omicron Theta to here and like how uh, she got to meet up with him and like intertwining those threads with all of these emotional valences and making a great story out of it. I think it's a really strong episode. I think so too, for as many reasons as we see and experience for the episode, and also as many as we don't see and have to sort of headcanon. Like, Mm -hmm. Pran is married to a real doll. (laughs) And the entire McLaughlin group is like, should we tell Juliana that she's real, that she's a human, or that she's a robot? But no one thinks to. (laughs) No one. No one debates whether or not to tell Pran. Like, and shouldn't that be part of the conversation? Does Pran deserve to know? Dear Savage Love, I recently (laughs) found out that a a friend of mine is dating a real doll. He doesn't know, and I am wondering if I should tell him or not. Thanks. Dear Penthouse Forum, <laughs> My wife and I are both in our 60s and she is still insatiable. And I mean literally insatiable. I never thought I'd be writing into Penthouse Forum. I feel like I'm in a lot of trouble right now because <laughs> because I cannot quench her sexual thirst. Even 24th century boner pills. Dear Penthouse, do not Forum, give me enough stamina. I'm so tired. I'm just so tired. <laughs> <laughs> Help me sleep. <laughs> yeah, like no one looks out for Pran. And I feel like that is the missing link in this episode, right? Like that's the thread that is untied. Is what happens to him. To the degree that Juliana beams down by herself. Like they just totally Pran's an afterthought here. He's an afterthought. I almost like wonder why they felt the need to include him as a character. Like yeah, what what is he doing to drive the story forward? There was next to nothing for him to do. Were they just like, okay, like all we have is a couple of scenes on the ship and like one sh- one scene in a fucking styrofoam cave. We need to add like a character to make it seem like we spent any money on this episode. Frakes is like, look, you could pay another guest star or 
you could just roll that into one of my episodes. What do you say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't really I don't really get his reason for being. In yeah. a way, and I only say that because I feel like he could have a very real reason for being. Right. Yeah, he's not even in the last scene where she beams down. It's like, like has he beamed down already or what? I don't know. I don't know. Like, what if he was a robot, too? You get what the sense that check... you don't really know how many of these there are out there, out there. Because maybe Juliana has been programmed to know a certain thing that isn't the truth also. Like, in the yeah. in the same way that Data only knows some of the truth. Like, maybe Soong made a whole fleet of these things, and we can never know how many there are. Maybe Soong sent us a priority one message, and we just need to check it. All right, I think we should check it. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a couple of priority one messages here. And the first one is a commercial message. Whoa! Goes like this. Pro wrestling that way it's supposed to be. The West Coast Wrestling Connection out of Portland, Oregon brings you some of the best pro wrestling in the world every week on YouTube and locally on PDX TV. Catch us live in Portland and Salem. Don't worry, no glass tables were harmed in this P1. So watch us every week. See if you can find the drunk Shimoda in the ring or the crowd. Follow us on social media at the WCWC or use hashtag the WCWC to keep up to date on everything. Whoa. As you were reading that ad, I booted up one of the videos on YouTube. Yeah. It's fucking great. This is like real legit wrestling in a real legit ring. Really? Yeah, it looks great. Oh, they've got like entrances and entrance music and uh, and like faces and heels and bits and oh, this cool. is great. Uh, are they doing like, um, is it like backyard wrestling or is it like no, higher is, level than that? This looks like it's in a, in, in like a building, like in, in what looks smaller than a basketball arena, like, but like way bigger than a, like a hotel conference room. It's not like. It's hard to describe. It looks like there's hundreds of people here. Man. This is a legit amount of production. It looks like it's in like a room the size of a trade center, like a con size room. Cool. Wow. You know, Portland is just down the road for me, basically. I want to check this out. Yeah. There's no reason you shouldn't drive three hours to go uh, check out the WCWC. I love And wrestling. if you're further afield, you can follow it on uh, social media. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for hipping me to something new to do in Portland. Yeah. Ben, our second priority message is of a personal nature. It is from Lauren, it is for Gina, and it is not about wrestling. <laughs> the parenthetical is Kevin voice. So here he goes. <laughs> Gina, Lauren <laughs> wants me to tell you that you died in a terrible accident eight years ago. <laughs> The good news is, you're one of my fine real doll products. Oh no! The Gina model prototype is one of the most advanced in my line. 
and comes equipped with the ability to add numerous attachments of various types. Congrats <laughs> on your death. You've just been real dude. Very timely. Wow. Good job, Lauren, for choosing the Uxbridge-centric episode. Yeah. Ben, if you died, would you want your consciousness to be put in a real doll? I think so. I think the idea of living longer is fairly attractive to me, real doll or not. Yeah. But let's be clear, I would not want to be placed into a real doll and then used as someone's fuck toy for eternity. Like, that that sounds less cool. To be I'm down clear. to be a fuck toy. <laughs> it's not like you can feel it. <laughs> well, congratulations to Gina. Great message by Lauren. If you have a priority one message of either the commercial or the personal nature, you can take it on over to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where we will read your message in or out of character for the low, low price of $100 for personal messages and $200 for commercial messages. Ben, what is this but a great, great way to support the ongoing production of our show? Thanks, guys. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, And I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. 
lovely new gifts are lined up, the episodes will be amazing and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Ben. What's that, Adam? Is your Shimoda a real doll or a synthetic? I gotta give it to Dr. Juliana Tainer. I think that the thing that is silliest about this character is the fact that she's gone as many years, like decades, as she's gone uh, without reaching out to Data in any way. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Like, come on, like, you only live once. It's such a Shimoda move not to not to have a connection with your progeny. And yet, Ben, like, family estrangements happen. Like, yeah. There are, there are, uh, there are times in my own family when I go longer than I would like without, uh, without communicating with some or all of them. So, like, it sucks. You get into a pattern, and that pattern continues, and it's hard to bust out of it. So I, I totally- get it, but I don't get it. Yeah, like, I think that, in general, family estrangement is is something that we all experience to a greater or lesser extent. Like, there's always people in your family that are really hard to get along with, and um, and I think that it's, like, valuable to push past that. And the the idea of just kind of, like, quietly going into the night without ever reaching out to your son and only ever connecting with him because your planet got really constipated <laughs> is is pretty sad. Yeah. The the mother has to be the bigger person, right? You can't expect Data to make an emotional decision. Well, Data also didn't know of her existence. It's only up to the mom. Like, it's not going to happen if the mom doesn't do it. Like, yeah. usually in, in matters of family estrangement, there is some shared responsibility. But in this case, it's just Juliana. Did you have a drunk Shimoda, Adam? I did, Ben. I really, really did. Ask <laughs> any performer or stand-up comic or, or improv person who the worst person in a crowd is, and they're going to tell you. They're going to uh-huh. say, like, birthday party or bachelorette party, like... Because these are the people who who don't go out to shows very much. They don't get the social cues. They don't understand right. how to act in public. During the Mother Boy recital in Ten Forward, there is clearly a person wearing a birthday hat on the right side of the frame. 
I don't have the time code on this, but there is a person like third or second row on the right who has got like a yellow birthday cap. <laughs> and I'm just like, you do not want to go to the, the emotionally fraught mother-son recital if you're not used to going to recitals. That's a bad place for a bachelorette party. It's a bad this place for a birthday party. This is my night. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are playing too loud. Always the bridezilla, never the bridezuki. Yeah, so my Shimoda is birthday party lady. <laughs> Hey, why don't you take it to the holodeck where you belong? <laughs> why don't you walk down the hallway, get on the turbo lift <laughs> to decade, get into the holodeck where you belong? They don't have a birthday party program on that holodeck, Stuart. <laughs> yeah. Ben, what do we have coming up on the next episode? The next episode... Is season seven, episode eleven, parallels, returning to the entrepreneur from a competition, Worf finds reality changing, and is troubled when no one else seems to notice. Do you remember this episode, Adam? Ben, there are two episodes worth watching in season seven. It's parallels, and it's all good things. This is on my mountain. I Whoa. love this episode. You didn't think the episode we just watched was worth watching? I believe it was worth watching, but it didn't go on my mountain. Okay, so you're using hyperbole, and and I just want to call attention to that. <laughs> well, thank you for calling attention to that, Ben. <laughs> There's only room enough on the mountain for a couple of episodes, and in sure. season seven, this is it. I, I fucking love this episode. I rewatch it all the time. It's great. It's a good one. Uh, so... One that of the rare be. Worf episodes that's not all about his family history. Like, let's give Worf a bottle episode where he's just being Worf. How about that? Mm-hmm. It works. I'm excited to see it again and to talk about it. Okay, let's talk about it sometime soon, Adam. <laughs> ben. <laughs> <laughs> sometime soon, I hope people talk about this very episode. They can do that in a number of places, like on Twitter, using the hashtag GreatestGen. We also have places to discuss on Reddit and Facebook. You know what those places are. I don't even need to tell you. We got groups, yeah. pages, r slash maximum fun, r slash greatest gen. You've got the uh, Wikia if you need to get caught up on any of the uh, deep, deep inside jokes. Come out and see us live on tour. We should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusia for our other music can't believe the tour's next week ben i am excited but like the nervous kind of excitement that owen wilson talks about in armageddon when he's getting strapped into the spacecraft like it's gonna be good yeah god i fucking love owen wilson <laughs> me too with that we will be back at you next week with another great episode of star trek the next generation and an episode of the greatest generation where you get a little fainty and then you open your eyes and Adam is over there and I'm over here.
only Ben would be overheard flaming his juniper berries when just after saying that he's going to go make another cocktail. Like, you can't even call it pretentious, right? It's just a man making a really great cocktail for himself. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.